This episode of the Unbuild It podcast is brought to you by Huber Engineered Woods, makers of Advantex subfloor assembly products. Engineered with long-lasting strength, moisture resistance, and nail-holding power, Advantex subfloor is the brand builders trust for quality subfloor. Combine the strength and moisture resistance of Advantech panels with the bonding power of Advantech subfloor adhesive for a solid, even subfloor assembly, perfect for a variety of floor applications. Follow along with builders and their bringing their A-game campaign on the Advantech subflooring YouTube channel at Huberwood on Instagram and their new website, visit AdvantechAgame.com. Thank you, Huber Engineered Woods. Welcome back to the Unbuild It podcast. I'm Pete Yost, and I'm joined today, as always, with Jake Bruton and Steve Basic. What's up, buddy? Hey, great to meet with as you guys. As always for now. We're using electrons, and this is called <laughs> Off the Cuff. It means we still have our pants on, but we've turned the cuffs up. And uh, I just want to <laughs> start by saying that Jake and uh, Steve are looking at me. I'm holding a... A sniffer, a snifter, and it's filled with a single barrel whiskey just to get the pump primed. Um, so here's to you guys. Cheers, cheers. I can I can add to that uh, because of everything that's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus. We're recording this March 26th of uh, 2020. If you're listening in the future, in the future, in the future. Uh, one of the local establishments that I love quite a bit, a restaurant is selling, uh, with their to-go service, uh, pints of pre-mixed cocktails. So I'm having an old fashioned. Oh, nice. Hey, and it's funny. I didn't know what old fashions were until I went to a restaurant. Until you looked in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I didn't know what an old fashioned was, but I was in a restaurant with Dan Cautley, my, uh, mechanical engineering buddy from the research center. And uh, on the on the drink list was an old fashioned, and I thought, "What the hell is that?" And it turns out it's a Midwest thing, right? Oh, really? Yeah, I, th- I didn't I've know it was a Midwest it thing. I don't it's even know what the hell an old fashioned is. Cherry, orange, and uh, a little bit of either simple syrup or some sort of sweetener. Uh, I'd never heard of that, so I think it's a Midwest thing, or that's what I've been told. Interesting. It's delicious either way. I thought it was just a term I use for everybody older than me. Well, you know how you know the me. definition of old. Anybody who's twenty years older than you are. So if you're twenty, old is forty. If you're forty, old is sixty. And if you're sixty, old is eighty. That's Pete, did you works. do that math in your head on the fly? Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you. Such it's... talent around these mics. <laughs> but so my question to start off is when you're talking about age, is it physical time? on earth or is it mental Mm, whoa interesting so the only guy with nothing alcoholic is the most philosophical that's a real (laughs) treat steve Uh, hey just because he didn't announce it someone's got to drive this bus (laughs) well so i'll start off you know the thing that's changed for me the most certainly is uh you know, Steve and I do quite a lot of public speaking and events, training events across the U.S., and they're gone for at least the next three months. Um, and and in, interestingly, um, I teach every Friday at Keene State, and I certainly don't have the time to take that whole course, a four-credit course, and make it online, which is what I now have to do because Keene State campus is closed. So all that time that I used to spend traveling, I'm now sp- spending trying to figure out how to move my course on building performance assessment, which is, you know, based on job site visits and, and learning how to use equipment and doing that online. So I now have a lot of time on my hands, but boy, I need it to keep the uh, online material for the class coming the way that it should. And I'm and sure so- that you two of you are also spending way more time online than you would normally. So, Peter, you're in Brattleboro, Vermont, and just so everybody else knows, Steve is in Reading, Massachusetts, and I'm in Columbia, Missouri, and today we're recording completely remotely all from our own homes, our own offices. What is the community in Brattleboro like right now? What are the regulations? What is the building industry? What's happening with the industry in Brattleboro? You know, that's a really timely question because yesterday we had a CEON, the Sustainable Energy Outreach Network Builder Guild meeting. They're, they're having a march. The first time. They're What's having that? a march for the coronavirus. 
<laughs> yeah. Is that a People's uh, Republic? I kind of expected of that Vermont from you, joke. buddy. Uh, and and interestingly, the day before, the governor had come out with a new emergency uh, proclamation, uh, basically saying anybody but an essential worker needs to stay home until April fifteenth. And what came up was, well, what if I'm working on a job on an unoccupied house doing a remodeling project and I'm working by myself? Is can it, is does that meet the governor's proclamation? And technically it doesn't because that person's not an essential worker. But on the other hand, uh, if you're working on a job site by yourself, you're having less contact with people than if you were home. Um, Yeah. So we actually uh, sent a letter to the, not a letter, but sent that question in to the governor's office asking, because literally the governor is responding in a pretty timely fashion to all kinds of questions from different sectors about what, is and what is not covered by the proclamation. And by the way, I read through the actual proclamation, which is all kind of, you know, sort of legalese. Of course you did. Really well written. I mean, I I was surprised at how, given the ambiguity that's built into this whole situation, the governor's office did a really good job of uh, covering about A lot of people with a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of time. But um, so that's what we're going through is I've had three building investigations delayed because I'm not working completely by myself. Uh, Another aspect of this is I'm 64. And so I'm in an age group that I should be a bit more careful than uh, I may not feel young, but I'm part of that age bracket where um, there is some probability that if I get the virus, it'll hit me a bit harder than others. Um, My daughter, one of my daughters who until recently was living at home, is a child care giver. She has been deemed an essential worker because the children of essential workers need child care. And so the governor has uh, not asked but told all public schools to function as sites that can um, host uh, child care for um, essential workers. So... It's a whole different world out there. What about you guys in Reading? And, so, uh, so when they, I got a question on that. So when she does that, did you ask her? Like, so you're in this classroom, you got 20 kids running around. Are you trying to practice social distancing with that herd of cats? Like, hey, you stay in the corner, you stay over there, you stay over here. I mean, that's yeah. got to be incredibly difficult, right? I can't even imagine trying to keep five kids at bay. Well, right now, because... Uh, my daughter was living with us before this uh, edict came out. Um, she has to wait another five days before she can begin work next week. But currently the kids are being, um, the children that she deals with, which are toddlers, there's like five for two teachers or five for one teacher. So it is it, it is not possible to keep toddlers from, you know, uh, social distancing of six feet. But um, doing the best they can, I think, is the way you would describe it. So we're actually going through the same sort of thing with the shelter-in-place, stay-in-place thing. But it is not statewide in the state of Missouri. It's in St. Louis, Kansas City. And then the county and municipality that I live in, Boone County and Columbia, Missouri, actually issued one that started yesterday morning at 8 a.m., And I got a phone call from one of my project managers, and he said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, well, they said that we're supposed to shelter in place. And I said, except for if you read the order, it declares that construction, residential construction, in already open job sites is deemed essential. So it's a completely different take than what it sounds like the governor of Vermont or his office has taken. And the interesting thing is that we were pretty much already social distancing on our job sites. So we've made an effort to divide our manpower between job sites. I only have uh, two guys right now, two employees besides myself in our office. And those guys had taken it upon themselves to either request to be on separate projects or work in separate areas of the home. So I got there and was painting the other day. They're working on separate floors. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter to me how you guys do it. And if you feel safe, I'm fine with that. And the conversation with my employees from the beginning of this has been, 
I want you to feel comfortable and I want you to feel safe and I want you to know that your job will still be here and will help you cover your bills if that's what it takes for you to take three weeks off, take a month off, whatever it's going to end up being. Now, I realize that most people in my market, most builders probably don't have that luxury. I'm blessed with, I have a very lean business. I have ver virtually no overhead uh, and that I have small crews. So covering two guys payroll is different than covering payroll for 20 guys for six months or something. Uh, one of the other things that we're doing at work at least is every one of our job sites has a sign that says, you know, stop, do not enter this job site unless it's absolutely necessary. If it's a delivery, uh, a worker or, or a subcontractor or a, uh, client, you can come in if it's necessary, but you must sign in on the log sheet. And then that way, if anybody on that job turns up mm -hmm. sick, we have a chain, uh, a timeline that we can notify everybody that's been into that site. And for instance, the one that they're working on right now, they're getting countertops templated Friday afternoon. Well, my guys are taking off at noon on Friday. They're getting the afternoon paid, and I'll let the guy come and template countertops while we're not there. And then the, the house has two days to acclimate to him having been there and hopefully his sickness has dissipated if he happens to be sick by the time they get back on monday morning which is actually kind of a good segue we're going to have my brother nathan in a subsequent podcast uh, dealing delving a bit more deeply into the issue of human health and um building science and the coronavirus right stay tuned for that one for sure yeah yeah it's, it's always a great time talking with nathan so for me, Steve, what is it like in Boston? Well, for me, I pulled everybody into the world headquarters for a corporate meeting. That's you. Right? So there I Just sat you? by myself and thought about what what kind of efforts that we as a company need to do. And why is it that I have no problem envisioning what it's like with you sitting in a room talking to yourself and nobody else around to hear it? Well, here's the thing, though, that what the conclusion that I came to is. <laughs> Pretty much the world around me for the last 54 years has been practicing social distancing <laughs> anyways. So my Anybody life really hasn't changed. Already. I'm still trying to buy friends, trying to coerce people into conversation. Um, so Recognition is the first step, Steve. I know. I know. I'm, I'm trying, Pete. I'm trying. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> so... But, uh, no, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems here is, you know, talking with some of the contractors. We I have a couple big projects, which are pretty cool because we're able to do those. And they're just kind of limiting the number of people coming out to there. But I have a couple contractors that were just about to embark on some projects that were remodeling projects. And the people just don't want people coming to their house and doing stuff. So those projects got put on hold. And one of the bigger barriers that, uh, you know, one of, I, I just did a post on it, um, and, which leads me to, you can find me at Stephen Bazek Architect on Instagram, but uh, it, building inspectors and inspections, right? Um, one of the builders I work with, Shoreline Builders, Pete, they, the building inspector wouldn't come out because it's a renovation project. We're renovating a master bathroom on the second floor. Huh. So what the builder had to do was he built a temporary staircase on the outside of the building so the building inspector can come up, go in the window, inspect everything he needs to do, and then leave via the exterior staircase. He goes, we're not allowed to go through or move through existing occupied buildings. So rather than a ladder, he built a temporary staircase? He built a staircase. It's a You should check out Instagram once in a while there, you old goat. And you would see huh. that uh, my. So, did you uh, my call post. me an old goat? Like that's the. Yeah, uh, you heard it. You heard it here live. That's the people. preferred nomenclature. Peter is an apparently. old goat. Isn't that like? So the, that's actually a good conversation about one of the things that I sent to all my clients this week too. Is while we have uh, a whole home remodel, a new construction, another new construction, and a basement remodel going on, uh, the only thing that's active right now with my personal crews is one whole home remodel. The framing crew uh, that actually used to work for me is building the new construction and they're doing a really good job of social distancing. 
the basement remodel is in a transitional period where we're waiting for clients to move stuff from one end of the house to the other end so we can do the second half of this 3,000 square foot basement. I My letter to all my clients this week said, you know, we're taking this day by day, hour by hour. The conversation, if we shut down, is going to be guided by my employees and myself together. We are not working in inhabited spaces until we decide to. So my basement remodel clients now know we're not coming back while this stuff's going on until we know that there's some sort of level of safety for our employees because we have to have that conversation that my business doesn't exist without those two guys that work for me. Yes, I could be a one-man show, but my business exists in a much better place because of those two, and I have to think of them first. So one of the other things that's happened for me is um, I'm coincidentally or maybe because of the result of this other people are doing more sort of online uh, joint work I'm doing a lot of plan review spec review and also picking up some uh, projects where there's a building uh, performance issue that I can address exchanging online information and I think this comes probably as a bit of a surprise with some people but you know I have uh, right now, a project I'm consulting on in uh, Los Angeles, um, another one in Colorado, uh, potentially one in Dallas. And part of this is that um, with tools like Zoom to meet and exchanging electronic files, there's quite a bit of work that we can do on building performance, even with my not being there. My client in Los, uh, in Los Angeles I probably spend five hours a week FaceTime with him. He's walking around a job site, you know, flipping the phone back from talking to me to showing to me what he's seeing. And then then he'll he'll do a quick drawing and throw it onto his phone, take a picture, and then show it to me. And we're literally real-time working uh, pretty much like as if I was standing next to him at the job site. Um, so good bandwidth is you know, part of my business model right now. It's a premium today. What, yeah. What's interesting to that, Peter, the other day I went into to Staples, I had to get some stuff and uh, I was for, for that same reason, you know, using zoom and these go to meeting, et cetera. I asked them if they had any video cameras. Don't say it, Jake. But uh, <laughs> the guy said, no, we've been sold out <laughs> for some time now. And he says, I don't know when we're going to get them in because this thing went crazy and everybody went in there to buy cameras for all these, you know, video conferencing and et cetera, that they're, they're all out. So, so um, I'll I take this as a weird point of complaint for, uh, I hope these clients don't listen to the podcast. Actually, I am working through uh, design specs for a house uh, with some potential clients and they had said, yeah, let's, you know, let's get together on Wednesday at this time. And, the day before, I said, you know what? I don't think I want to meet in person. Can we do a Zoom meeting? And they were like, sure. And then they log on and don't turn their camera on. And I'm like, I can't. This is the same thing as a phone call then. Like, yes, I get to share my screen with you. And there's some, there's a little added benefit there. But the idea that I get to talk and see someone the same way we're doing this podcast right now is a completely different thing than a phone call where I can't see your face. And I didn't realize how much of an impact this go to meeting Zoom, you know, Skype, whatever it is you use, is until I had tried to have that conversation with them where I'm like, well, I think we should do this with the design because it makes more sense for floor space. And then there's quiet. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't tell if they're thinking. I can't tell if they hear me. I can't tell if they disagree. I can't tell if they're mad. Yeah. So, I mean, of course if you look at Steve while you talk to him, you can't tell what he's thinking either. So, Hey, you know what I do? My, I'm, I'm having, you know, daily conference, corporate conference calls. So I just take my phone and I put it on the reverse. And so I can talk to myself into my phone. That makes sense. Again, so many things are so much clearer now. If I got, so your what phone, does, uh, delete file, delete file, <laughs> delete file. <laughs> What does the uh, Steve Basic Architects World Headquarters bustling lobby look like on a day like today? Is there is there anything coming through the door? Are there client perspective meetings that are phone call anyway? Do you do enough work not in Reading and, and Massachusetts that 
it's a it's a it's a typical anyway? day um you know the i had uh, believe it or not today i have three conference calls um i just had one with a project that i'm doing in rochester new york the ga- uh, gentleman is a quadriplegic that still like drives a car and it's it i i've been up there to meet with them and it's truly amazing what level of lifestyle this guy is able to achieve it's it's just it, it's purely a miracle and uh so i'm doing a house for him and then later today um you and i jake we have a phone call with one of our clients in missouri on a house that we're going to be embarking on that we're both really excited for for a whole host of reasons that we can't talk about right now but stay tuned uh building industry because we're, we're going to do some cool stuff there and then lastly is uh, I have a very large project in um, down in Texas, which is a, a private residence, a pool house, a barn, all wrapped around kind of a pool, backyard area, et cetera, which is uh, really interesting. But, I mean, for me, really work hasn't changed much. The, the, I guess the one biggest change is, is I have a lot of people harping on me, like, can I get those drawings? Can I get those drawings? Because... All these Can builders, I get those drawings. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, all these builders are sitting at home with a ton of time, and so it's like, well, can you hurry up and finish these so I can start, you know, looking at them and putting numbers to them and and that stuff. So in in some ways, so I can do my office part. Yeah, and you know, like Peter said, we spent a lot of time traveling, and you know, that's pretty much ceased. Um, I can't help but be scared as hell because everything that has gotten canceled in the last two months is getting rescheduled in August and September and October that already had a busy schedule, which, I mean, I know, Pete, you love traveling with me, but, man, you're going to be in pure ecstasy come about end of July because you're (laughs) going to be able to see me like three or four times, you know, three or four days a week from you know, mid July through Thanksgiving. So, okay, hold on. I got to go get some more whiskey after that. <laughs> <laughs> is that um, your way of saying, uh, get my plans done now? Cause you're not going to yeah. be in the office for all of July and August. No, but, well, I'll, I'll have, I'll have an actual employee at that time. Uh, yeah. Fine. Yeah. So. Hey, Steve, I wanted to follow up on your comment about uh, the work you've done with the, um, uh, the, the, partially disabled uh, customer in, in that um, I did some affordable housing. I did an f- affordable housing charrette that I've been doing for about four or five years now in Indiana. And the, the target population this last time through for a two day charrette with affordable uh, uh, developers was working with uh, intellectually and developmentally, de- de- developmentally disabled IDD. And they started off the two day charrette with two uh, caregivers, uh, you know, PhDs in um, uh, uh, P- uh, uh, individuals with special needs. And both of them have uh, children that are IDD, intellectually and or developmentally disabled. And um, they start off by saying, uh, my daughter and my son refers to all of us as temporarily fully functional. And... When she said that, the whole room got really quiet. There's probably 50 building professionals in the room. And the realization was it, it's, it's not a question of uh, if all of us are going to become challenged in, you know, physically mm-hmm. and or mentally. It's just a question of when. So to call somebody temporarily fully functional is basically to describe all of us. And that That's was a, a great really way of starting good, off. Uh like theoretical discussion about how we build houses too. Well, that was exactly their point was that, you know, you think you're, you're doing design for a special population. You're not, you're, you're, if you design for, uh, uh, for universal design, that's just not for people with special needs. That's for all of us because we will eventually become people with special needs. And that, 45 minute introduction completely changed the next 48 hours in terms of our understanding of what we're doing. It's really fascinating. You know, it's one of the interesting things of, of working with this gentleman is that 
you know, he, he, he certainly, his situation is different than the average healthy person, right? Or person that can do everything. But even I'm learning so much in working with him because yeah, there's ADA rules of things should be this high, things should be this high, you should have this, this kind of clearance. But he's been in that condition for 35 years. So he's developed ways of doing things that might not need the same amount of clearance that the ADA recommends or um, whatever. He has a much better understanding of his realistic needs. Yeah. And so when you talk about custom house, it probably doesn't get any more custom than this because Mm -hmm. it literally is built for him, not anybody in a wheelchair, not anybody. It is built specifically for him. But, you know, Steve, this brings me back to something that I learned from you a long time ago. When but you were trying Listeners to... note that. <laughs> we, we got that on recording. Yeah, when, when you were uh, working with the Wades uh, out in New Mexico and they had trouble with um, hot water being delivered to each of the draws in a slab on grade where the domestic water piping is running through the slab. And they said to you, hey, that's a big problem for us a new design constraint for you is make sure that every draw for hot water is no more than 20 lineal feet from the location of the domestic water heater. And smart. you you turned around and, and to me and the rest of the folks at Building Science Corporation said, it's very clear. This is just another new design constraint. You didn't bitch. You didn't say they don't need to do this. Your customer told you that this was a new design constraint. And you said, my job as an architect is simply to take that design constraint and weave it into the rest of my work. And I think that's one of the things that sets you apart as a high-performance architect is that you simply look at challenges as new design constraints. And that's pretty cool. Well, I think that expands to everything. I'm sure Jake can talk about this, right? Because I think Jake's personal success, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but Jake's personal recent success in high-performance is... The, yep, facts that he, the fact that he changed his attitude, right? And, and, and I'm not saying okay. that you had a bad attitude. What I'm saying is a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here on the podcast is simply about attitude, right? I want to do this, and I'm going to give it a more conscious effort. I'm going to do that air barrier. I'm going to worry about water management. And not going to talk about things from an option standpoint. Right. That these are requirements and that Jake translates that to his clients. And so, and, and myself too, when I have a client meeting, it's, you know, people say, how do you, how do you have that conversation with clients about what you're going to do? And I tell them, I said, you know, there's probably a dozen things that or whatever number it is that are things that we, we are not going to give in on. They're, they're non-negotiable. This is the way we're going to do it. This is the minimum standard that we're going to do there. And then there's this gray area of here's all the negotiables that we can do. And then here's the upper kind of gray blue sky area of here's all the dream luxury items that, man, if we can get these into the project, that would be super cool and really great. And what I find personally is, is that when you get clients involved and they become educated they strive to be a better client at least the good clients do right yeah and you know steve i just want to push a little harder on this because with that example with the domestic hot water you could have turned to your client and said hey that's not a design problem that's an engineering problem go talk to your mechanical hot water hvc about that you know your your point is and this is very similar to what linda brock says in her book designing the exterior wall, which is, hey, designing exterior walls is something we should not be pushing or pawning off on specialists. The architect should take responsibility for that. And, you know, one of the things I think that you do is if the client says that that's what they want, I got to figure out what my responsibility as a designer is. And, and that's a, that's a different attitude. Not all architects take that perspective. I I mean, that's one of my big pet peeves about the profession. I love architecture. I'm I'm extremely passionate about it. And, but one of my pet peeves is, is that we're really quick to relinquish our duties, right? It's like, oh, I want to take the credit for the pretty picture 
and the rendering and oh look at isn't that mahogany front custom door that i designed isn't that just the nuts i mean that is great and then you go inside and there's a 100 gallon bathtub that's 120 feet from the water heater right yeah. and 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 our three windows in the house but it's it's like above the bathtub it it's crazy it but they they do and you know i i i love building scientists because they you know a lot of them are good friends of mine but i really don't like the profession because what they basically did is they slid in and said okay hey lazy architects i'm gonna do everything you don't want to do care of this yeah well, I just want to put in a little plug again that if you're interested in um, that particular book, Designing the Exterior Wall, it's uh, 2005 from Wiley Press by Linda Brock. She's a pro uh, professor of architecture at the University of British Columbia. I use it in just about every course that I teach on buildings. Well, she is not related to you? Or Linda paying Brock? You? Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, she's not related to me, but you never know. <laughs> Whenever someone recommends something more than once, I immediately go, are they related? I don't oh. know if they're related. Yeah. No kick. So what else What else is going on in in your uh, COVID-19 isolation right now, Peter? Well, um, the my wife and I have been married for 30 years. We just yesterday. Ew. No, I was kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> we just yesterday uh, was our 20th anniversary of moving to Brattleboro. And um, one of the things we say is... That's 20 years of pain. <laughs> 20 years of pain? Come on, Steve. You love to visit Brattleboro. I, you guys got good fishing out that way. I'll give you that. Yeah. Is the key word visit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most people who are real Vermonters say that at 20 years, you're still just visiting. <laughs> Vermonters. Okay. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's just the two of us. And so we're spending an awful lot of time together. And I think that this is a good example of if you get along pretty well with your spouse, this is not much of a challenge. But, man, there's a lot of people I know that, uh, you know, sheltering at home may not exactly be shelter. <laughs> I had a conversation with my wife the other night, and she said, think about all those people that have been cheating on their spouses that don't get to do that right now. <laughs> I said, yes, I have a family in Nebraska that misses me dearly. <laughs> oh, you guys are bad. Very oh, my wife just knows that she has to roll her eyes and the joke either stops or it moves forward hard enough that it gets funny at some point. So I like a good joke that comes back around to being funny after it stopped being funny. So I don't have that level of attention span. It's either funny right now or I totally discard it, move on. I'm very energy efficient in that manner. Jake, another kind of interesting thing is um, I have been very concerned. I teach my first class tomorrow because my students at Keene State, where the campus has been closed, they had last week off for spring break, and then classes started this Monday, but we don't meet till Friday. So this will be our first online meeting as a class. And um, I said to one of the other professors through an email, I'm very concerned that by Friday, they're going to have online fatigue. And he said, Oh, Peter, that just shows you how old you are. You know, these kids online is like a cakewalk for them. Peter, you know, they, yep. they can do eight hours of it. Peter, it when I difference. say my son is waking up at like 9am sits in his room I, I walked by there. I went to bed last night at 2 a.m. And he was still in there. It's it, He goes from class to call of duty, back to class, back to call of duty. He came out for dinner and pee breaks, and then he goes back in there. It's like their yeah. life. It, it, this whole kind of social media thing is, it's, it, it is, it's crazy. And I can understand a guy like you that still cranks his computer before he hits the start button that uh it, it becomes a challenge you know yeah my i enjoy this theme sore yeah hey, I, I, I want to throw out something there i'm gonna i'm just i'm taking a right turn because we can because this is off the cuff and we're not going to be off the cuff if we go and and i i have to like get my blood pressure up 
So let's start with, I'll start with mine, but you two guys, what's like the most annoying building industry question or thought that comes to mind? Like what, what's something that just rages the blood inside of you the minute it's asked? And I'll, and we're agreeing to skip past the houses need to breathe. Yeah, thing. we're 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 beyond the houses okay. need to breathe. That's excluded. But for me, it's when a client asks either how much did that project cost or what's the price per square foot. And that's I say client or builder, anybody. When they approach me and they ask how much did that cost and how much a square foot was that, it you just stole mine. I it, it's like rocket fuel under my feet. I, I like don't even want to have the conversation. And it's and it's not even that it's an invalid conversation, which I believe. It's that if you start out the conversation with that, and if I throw out a number, if I said, okay, that house costs $300 a square foot, half the people I'm talking to now are going to not oh, be part of the conversation, good. right? Oh, that's crazy. We do it for... A hundred dollars a square foot down here. What are we building a space shuttle? Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, that's fine. But while you think I'm the criminal because we're building for three hundred dollars a foot, I'm thinking you're the criminal building for a hundred dollars a square foot, right? But it's just, it's one of those things. Can, you're the one wasting people's money. But can we just please get off the? How much did that cost? What is? What was the price of that a square foot? Let's just start thinking. You, you can't, we can't unbuild our what we do and think about it unless we're willing to understand value. And if if you don't understand value, then you, you can't you can't break it down and none of what we're gonna talk about makes sense. So we really need to just just put that aside. That that number, it's it's irrelevant because what really matters is it's it's like stock, right? What's the price of stock? Oh, I hear all these people. Oh, I lost all this money last week in a stock market. No, you didn't. The you value didn't of it went down, but you didn't lose anything because you never had it, right? It's the same with a house. What's what's the value? And you can see my blood pressure's like raging here, but it's like how much did that cost a square foot? Oh my God, that you know that. That's so much money. Just just put that aside because it doesn't really matter. It's not your money. You're not paying it. You're not the one making the value judgments. We're going to give you opportunities in ammo to make your own set of value judgments and go from there and, and establish your own priorities, et cetera. And, and I'm not saying you should do it my way, but I'm just saying that there, there should be a way that you approach this stuff, and that is the wrong way. So I had a conversation like this with a client the other day, and the client's very, very early stages of just philosophically talking about what it would look like if we built them a house. And I'm kind of close with this client. I would consider them to be a friend. And uh, the client said, well, what is it going to cost per square foot for us to build a house? And without skipping a beat, I said somewhere between $185 a square foot and $1,000 a square foot. <laughs> and that's, I mean, if I were saying this to someone on the phone that I'd never met before, they'd go, oh, you, you a-hole, you know. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. instead, the client laughed. And he goes, why do you say it like that? And I said, I'll show you why. And I walked out to my truck, and I came back in with two pieces of tile. One was a 12 by 12 mosaic tile, and the other was a 12 inch by 24 inch. And uh, I said... If you want to tile the whole house in this tile, you just added $75 a square foot to the cost of this house because this is $75 a square foot tile. If you want to tile the whole house in this tile, you just added $5 a square foot to yeah. the cost of the house. And we changed nothing about the things that I think are most important, the glazing, the envelope, the air sealing package, the insulation package the water management package, we changed nothing about those things. And all I did was make one material selection and I just shifted the price of the home by $65 a square foot. That's why I can't tell you what it's going to cost per square foot yeah. because it depends on what you want. But you could do the reverse of that, Jake. You could sit there and say, I, I, can, build, I can design and have a house built for you for probably $90 a square foot. The question is, do you want to live in it, right? Yeah. Because are you going to be okay with me making every one of those decisions for you too? Because it's based on budget and not on what you want. Exactly. You know, there, there's no door between your bedroom and the hallway. It's just a cased opening, right? 
you know, all, all these things are certainly possible, but it's probably not what you want to do. So even at $100 a square foot, going down to $80 a square foot, there's people that find value in that, right? There's certain value judgments that people aren't willing to relinquish. It's just that those value judgments can escalate, like you said. I mean, I I have this short story of years ago, I was at this project with a very prominent builder in the Boston area. We were working on a project. We were talking about the budget. Um, and he basically stood up at the table, looked at the client and said, I cannot do this project for less than 750 bucks a square foot. That's what I'm set up to do. That's where I start my manager, my management at, and the price goes up from there. If you can't bring, come to terms with that. Now I granted, this is, this is crazy. This is la la land. I get it. But this is just the extreme of that, that there are builders that this is the arena they operate in. There's builders that operate in the $500 square foot. Cause the whole time this guy's yeah. standing at the end of the, the conference table, rattling off his little speech here. I'm sitting there going, okay, there's that builder, that builder, that builder. All these guys would come in here today and do this project for $500 a square foot on a handshake, just because they know they can do it for that. Right. Yeah. And it would probably look very close to the same. But it's just that's where the value is. But man, that I that how much did that cost? It's I'm a rocket ship on. What about rails. you, Pete? Yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a different uh, perspective on this because um, I was just thinking as you and Steve were talking about what boils your blood. To me, it's what saddens me, which is um, about I don't know three out of four times that I work with a client on a building problem. Um, within two weeks, the client understands building performance better than the builder and or the architect on the job site. And it, it's just it, it's just sad, you know, that that that's how quickly someone who's on the ball can learn that fast about building performance so that they can be ahead of the professionals that they're dealing with. And, and this happens to me a lot because I'm looking at a lot yep. of homes that have performance problems. And, you know, I was telling Steve this, before, I think, uh, just before we got started. Uh, I talked with a potential new client today. This new client um, owns his own infrared camera, just bought a blower yes, door of, of the highest caliber from, from the When you say server. client, you mean homeowner that's hired you to help with something. This is a homeowner who in the past you know, six <laughs> to eight months because of building problems has bought his own diagnostic tools. Um, and I, I'm just thinking uh, the poor builder and or architect and or building performance specialist who came before me, this guy already knows way more about his building and building science because he's a bright guy and he's been spending time learning about how buildings work. It And that's, you know, it's really cool to meet people like that, but it saddens me that the building professionals he's met so far are just so far behind the curve. Um, we're, we're making a lot of progress in our industry, but boy, um, we're, we're definitely sort of way behind where we should be. Hey, we, go, we go and speak at places and we still find builders that don't know what a blower door is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, how, how can we have an intelligent conversation about air leakage? You don't even know how to like how it gets tested. You know, what is the right tool for that? But, you know, we've been talking a lot about online today. And, you know, Steve and I have talked about this before. You know, the Internet is such a dangerous thing and beautiful at the same time, because clients can become pretty educated about building performance in a short order. However, they can just as easily be led down a total rabbit hole and, uh, uh, you know, not learn the best parts of how buildings work too. So um, there's still a role for adult supervision on the building performance side. Yeah. Who's that, who's that chef that uh, hell's kitchen? What's his name? The guy, Gordon, Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. So when you're saying that, Peter, I'm just thinking it's like, just cause I go online and watch a Gordon Ramsay video on how to make risotto doesn't make me Gordon Ramsay. 
Right, right. Thank goodness. Hey, the hell with you, man! Get out so of my that's kitchen! The news from, that's the news from Lake Wobegon. <laughs> oh, look at that. Garrison Keeler reference. What a what a weird one. All right, uh, I'm lost there. In the... <laughs> Are you telling me you're not a an NPR fan? Is that what you're saying? No, I was on NPR once. That's all I know about it. Was it the police report? <laughs> the arrest record on the local news? Yes. But it, it okay. but it wasn't me. So is there is there anything else that you guys particularly want to talk about today? We really are just make it up as we go today. I don't think that our listeners are going to be irritated by that because we're trying to have a valuable conversation. Where what's the when what's you say we're trying to have a valuable concert conversation? I take that that there's some kind of hidden connotation in there, like. You and Peter are trying to have an intelligent conversation, <laughs> and the guy from the bus stop joined in. Why? Why do I? You, you guys are bullies. Just, just so all my listeners I, out there, my famed listeners and followers on Stephen Basic Architect on Instagram, that <laughs> are are here. I want you to be witness to this. These guys are literally bullies. This seems like the uh, the person who showed up at court to defend themselves without an attorney. That's what it seems like. It seems like the uh, the uh, See, there, there uh, the you person go again. That started their one man militia and decided that they don't have to pay their taxes for some reason, in a, in the most respectful way I possibly can. Steve, I think it's time for you to go get Holly, and we can talk to her from here on out. Wow, <laughs> this is a very tough crowd. I, I, we talked about this before we started, and I think that it, it, it's good to note it. And uh, while uh, Peter may be of a generation that's too old, and Steve may be too much of a Marine to admit it out loud, uh, we pick at each other because we love each other, because we're close friends, and because we actually like each other. So I, I can, uh, I'm comfortable with myself enough to say that out loud so that everybody gets to hear it. And uh, for those of you that can't see Peter and Steve, they're both shaking their heads no as quickly as possible, as quick as they can. Don't don't tell people that. We don't we don't want people to know that. Yeah, I can't but go that's the this podcast comes from a place of love as well. I, I got a reputation. <laughs> we know, and, and not only we that, know about but, that reputation, but the 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 whole world practices social distancing. You know, in my presence, when, the last thing I need is to help them. Steve, I distinctly remember, probably around 2010, you called me up and you were just furious over, I don't know, a couple of builders you were working with who didn't know their head from a hole in the ground. And you said to me, you said, oh my gosh, I just realized you may be one of my best friends just because you, you, <laughs> you hold the same values. You love your family and you love buildings. And I thought, holy crap, here's a guy that I've known all this time, and I, I had no idea what the place I held in his heart just because we both revered family and buildings. Well, I'm going to go one further on that same Steve you know phone what, call. You know front. what's pretty interesting, Peter? When I think about that, I've been sober for about 10 years now. On purpose? On purpose. <laughs> Steve called me right after the first of the year this year. And he said, I'm trying to turn... I, I hope you don't uh, object to me sharing this, Steve. He said, I'm trying to uh, uh, let the people that I care about know. And I value you as a friend. And I'm glad that you're my friend. And when we hung up the phone, I thought, is he going to call back and ask for money? <laughs> <laughs> wow! See, that just goes... You know, I have this saying, it doesn't pay to be the nice guy. Because it doesn't. Right, the minute I come out. No, see, that was a that was a meaningful thing for me. I'm joking. I, I make that huge effort, and you're worried about am I going to ask for money? <laughs> That's great, man. If there was so, ever a better place to stop, it would. Wait, be right I got one more now. topic. I got one more topic. All right. Uh, so I, while we're social distancing, my framer is not stopping, and I am happy that my framer is continuing to work because they're being pretty responsible. Uh, you know, he introduced me to the new guy, and the new guy didn't bother walking any closer to me. He said, hello, nice to meet you. I'll shake your hand after all this stuff is over, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we were talking about 
Trusses were being dumped, and we were talking about our air barrier transition from our zip sheeting on our wall to our drywall ceiling. And so that is a standard detail that uh, Steve and I have both used for a while now and shown great results. So that detail, for those of you that can wrap your head around it in audio form, is zip sheeting and tape on the exterior of the house, a piece of sheathing laid excuse me, flat on the top of the wall plate, tape from the sheathing on top of that piece of uh, sheathing so we have a horizontal piece and then that horizontal piece hangs far enough to the interior side that we're able to caulk the top side of our drywall to that so now we've made that continuous loop which means on the gable end of a house that sheathing has to break at that top plate elevation so right. that the tape can transfer from the from the outside to the inside it also means that the gable sheathing then, which is still insulated zip bar, just to make things easy, we use that zip bar so that it planes nice and clean. Yeah. Uh, it means that above that top plate, that zip bar on the gable is nothing but an air or a water barrier. But below that top plate, it's air and water barrier. Mm -hmm. And I showed up and they were about to start setting the gable truss. And that piece of tape wasn't done, although they had taped the seams in that, uh, we'll yeah. call it a second top plate, the sheathing top plate. We use a piece of Advantech. Uh, they had taped that sheathing to each other, but they hadn't put the exterior side sheathing on yet. And I said, well, don't you have to put this on and tape to that piece of Advantech on top of the top plate before you do that? He said, well, I'm going to run it up. I'm going to run it full, and then we're able to, to nail our zip sheathing to our gable truss. And I said, okay, the problem with that is then your air barrier continues up the outside of the gable truss and makes no connection to the ceiling inside. It's two things that butt together, yeah, but yeah. they're not actually fully connected. They're not lapped. Yeah. Yeah. And so after about a 30-minute conversation with our project manager, the framer, and myself, what we decided to try on this project, and we don't know if it's going to work yet, is we taped from that Advantech second top plate, that's our connection to the inside, we taped to the outermost edge of the face of the top plate with zip tape, so as to make those two one piece, the Advantech and the top plate. And then they're going to run a bead of sealant, uh, probably acoustical sealant, between that piece of zip tape and the backside of the zip R, and then they're going to they're going to caulk or seal with sealant in between each panel so now we've used the zip panel continuous vertically up the gable truss and then used liquid sealant to go from the outside to the inside and i'm going to give the listeners real-time advantage here to hear steve or peter go that's not gonna work because and we knew today when i left the job site that well, I'm not certain that it's going to work because the zip R panel and the zip sheathing are not fully adhered and there's a possible pathway in between the two there that uh, we can always just spray from the inside of that gable truss and make that connection so we can solve it later if it doesn't work and we'll test it before we spend that money on spray foam. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I probably would have called one of you two to run that by you anyway. That, I, that's why I always design hip roofs. Then I don't have to think about it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> then, then you take that out of the equation. Oh, that, that's so slick that the architect came up with a design answer as opposed to. Yes, it did. A, uh, yeah. Way to go, Steve. True to form. But what is? what are your thoughts? Like this is part of what this podcast comes out of is us having conversations about, well, I was thinking, hey, I'm going to try this. What do you think? Uh Number one, I think it's really cool that you carried the thought through to if it doesn't work, I have a backup plan. That's really cool. Um, secondly, this is exactly what the Sion group does in Brattleboro and the Builder Guild that, hey, we got to try this shit and then share it so that we can all learn from each other's experiences. But lastly, and you know, Jake, you and I were talking about this earlier, when you switch from relying upon a tape to a sealant, to me, that's a bit of a downgrade because it's way harder over time for sealants to maintain bonding than a trapped tape. Um, or for installation purposes, too. I yeah. can't inspect that tape or that, that sealant. Sorry. Right. 
Um, and uh, yeah, we could spend a whole lot of time on how much we rely upon sealants, mastics, adhesives, um, tapes, and sealants, and how they're different and the same. Um, and, and just by the way, my introduction to this was, you know, teaching two-day building science for the first time at the International Builders Show, being so freaking cocky about the content because we had spent two years developing it at Green Building Advisor. And some builder stands up in the back and says, hey, Yost, you're talking about these 100-year assemblies. And yet every single detail that Steve Basic drew is dependent upon concealed mastics, sealants, and tapes. And I felt my bowels drop because I knew he was going to ask me, well, what do you know about the durability or the service life of these sealants and tapes that you've trapped in the middle of the wall that we can't inspect, repair, or replace? And my answer was, I don't know jack shit about any of those. I have no idea how long they last. And I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I don't know that. Cross my fingers. Yeah. So that led to a whole research effort on my part to try to better understand, well, what is the service life of different sticky stuff? Um, it, it's part of the way we build and we need to understand it better. And, and one of the reasons we work with the product uh, sponsors that we do is we, you know, Steve and I and you are looking for manufacturers who are willing to spend the money on technical research to provide these types of answers. Steve? What? I'm right here, Jake. <laughs> Steve, what? what? <laughs> the one that's not <laughs> drinking or paying attention. <laughs> Did we wake you up, buddy? Hey, I love hey, it. Pete, you know, what, you know what the best thing of this whole shelter in place is? I finally <laughs> got permission. I have permission every day. Right. For, for, for the listeners out there, we have this running joke that, you know, years ago when we'd get on a plane together or something, I'd just crash. Like before the plane even took off, I'd be fast asleep. And Peter's like, man, you can sleep anywhere. And if you're in the Marine Corps, you kind of develop that habit, but cause you never know when the next hour of sleep is going to be. But more importantly, I looked at Peter and said, Peter, there's only one requirement for sleep for me. And he's like, what's that? I said, permission. If you give me permission, <laughs> I'm gone. That's it. That's all I need. I might have more photographs of you sleeping on my phone in public than I do of you awake. <laughs> but it's not. Too. But see, listen. Okay. I'm going on record here. Because, <laughs> yeah, you can sit there and laugh, buddy. You laugh. But I'm going on record here. Okay. I will. 54 years of perfectly tuning this machine to the point where if energy isn't required, I hit the switch and I shut it down, right? If you, if you don't want me to sleep, don't bore me because I'm going to shut it down. I'll allow you to paint that picture. Oh God. And now I really want to talk to Holly. Because we'll we'll yeah. get the the other side. Of She's it. unavailable at the moment. Well, <laughs> that that don't don't bore me, and I won't fall asleep. Every single time I've had a public speaking engagement that Steve was present, he fell asleep. I don't know if that is a comment about me and my ability to convey the ideas I'm trying to share, or if that is a comment about him. I think if you talk to him, he will obviously say it's my fault. And I would like to think that it was his fault. However, the last time he slept in one of my speeches, someone else did too. So maybe it's me. Well, that that's a this is a good ending because what I'm going to say to you, Jake, is take it as a compliment in that your your talk was just so comforting, and me knowing that you're intelligently reaching the building community in there that I had the confidence to take a quick nap on you. And let you do your deal. So it's right, I got a whole new compliment. concept for you guys. Whole new concept. Instead of systems thinking, it's systems sleeping. Steve's he's created a whole new a whole new thought channel here, Listen, Steve. I, you know, it, it's okay. really it's extremely difficult for me to operate on the levels that I operate. And have to continuously explain <laughs> myself to you two. It's it's really it it is. It's like I I I'm gonna get off here and I'm gonna go take a nap because you guys have exhausted me 
mentally, <laughs> not not physically. I'm not physically tired. It's just it's it, it's like it's like this fine tuned Ferrari race car, and I pull up to the starting line with you two, and you know I got a Volkswagen okay. Bug on one side, <laughs> and like a Model T to my left. And I'm sitting there going, well, the why a, the hell am I even on the starting with line? Big hippie symbols on it. Why? why yeah, yeah. You're you're the Volkswagen bus with the peace sign, and the Vermont. Um, you, you are know. the only person I know that owns clothing that says the word Vermont on it. How about that? <laughs> I just got to tell you guys, Steve. <laughs> as you're falling asleep, think of it as unbuilded sleeping. That's oh, what you do, man. I, I this yeah. is a plea okay, to my so- plea to my listeners out there, please. I'm I'm trying to do my best here to operate at the highest level, but it's it's like I'm an eagle with you know two boat anchors attached to my talons here as I'm trying to soar. So we will uh, we'll call it a wrap there, Whew. and we will let the dulcet tones of my voice lull you to sleep as I say thank you for listening to the unbuild it podcast we can't wait for you to join us the next time and i want to say thank you to peter and steve seeing me today or speaking with me today say goodbye gentlemen this was the unbuild it podcast number five edelweiss steve edelweiss